Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Meet Carrie. She has Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, and she feels very inflamed. She's tried some things like going gluten-free, which worked so well for a lot of her friends, but she was surprised that she didn't see as much improvement with that. She felt like something else was going on that was contributing to her symptoms. I met Carrie inside my Thyroid Mystery Solved program, and with all of the information that we went over, I saw that while she addressed some of her triggers, there were other things going on, and she's had a fair amount of dental work. She had a few silver fillings, she had a root canal, and she had a tooth pulled in the recent years. Her dentist never mentioned any issues, but I had a sense that there were things going on in there that were at the core of her thyroid mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. You just heard about all of the issues that Carrie was dealing with. Joining me on the show today to talk so much more about this is Dr. John Oxberger. Dr. John is the founder of BioDentist and the co-founder of the HUH Institute. He has worked and studied with some of the world's most renowned biological doctors and dentists like Dr. Thomas Levy, Dr. Hal Huggins, Dr. Thomas Rao from a clinic in Switzerland. And he provides world-class biological dental care at his practice in Denver. And Dr. John also teaches doctors and dentists, and really supports patients worldwide on how to approach their mouth biologically. Dr. John, it is such an honor to have you. Welcome to Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. It's great to be here, Anna, and thank you for the wonderful introduction. And I'm excited to be here and talk to you more about how we can improve health and make the world a better place. Yes, absolutely. So we often hear people talk about the gut as being the key to health and really something that's at the root of so many things. But I think a lot of people also don't necessarily think that the mouth is actually the beginning of the gut, right? So therefore, the mouth is just as much, if not even more, involved and really the key 
So can you talk to us a little bit about why the mouth is such a huge key when it comes especially to Hashimoto's and thyroid issues and other autoimmune diseases? Well, it really has to do with whether or not there are conditions that are ideal for the bacteria that live in our body. And I'll talk a lot about conditions a little bit later here, but, um, you know, for, so that we have friendly bacteria, um, because if the conditions aren't right, then the bacteria, you know, bacteria are, oh, I should even say not just bacteria, but the entire biome is programmed for survival. Okay. And the, and the DNA that the biome has is much, much quicker than the, than the human's DNA. You know, we have to have offspring which is let's say every 20 years or whatever that is for humans, where as the biome, they can adjust their DNA for survival in a matter of hours. So conditions are so, so important. So for what what's unique about the mouth also is that the pH in the mouth should be, well, there's a lot of conversation about what is ideal, but I believe it should be slightly acidic, um, but very close to neutral um, because it's part of the digestive process. You need acid like for instance, in the stomach to digest food, to really cleave food into molecules so that the digestibility of what we ate is as high as possible. The conditions in the mouth are very um, important for the type of bacteria that we want to live there. And, and we really want to have conditions so that the that we have the probiotic bacteria that thrive. And, and that's a constantly fluctuating um, situation there with the biome in our bodies. So I teach my patients that the, it's really all about the conditions, you know, is it too acidic? Well, if it's too acidic, then we're going to have a different biome than if it's not too acidic. Um, also if there's stagnation, like in the, uh, especially in the case of teeth, if there's dead teeth, like root canal teeth, um, that's the ultimate stagnation and stagnation does not work in the body. There always has to be flow. There has to be movement. There. Uh, whether it's a circulatory system or if it's energy or information, there always has to be this flow. And the third unique uh, characteristics of the mouth, uh, besides the acidity and the stagnation, is is the uh, what I call oxygen deprivation or oxygen saturation. Very, very, very important in the mouth. As we all know, there's bacteria that are called anaerobes that they live in a more oxygen deprived environment. Well, those are typically the bacteria that cause problems or the biome that causes problems. Whereas if there's oxygen saturation, then we have more of an aerobic environment. So those three conditions, acidity, stagnation, and oxygen deprivation are really the key three things that um, when they're present, people have dental problems as a result of that. In biological medicine and dentistry, we believe that changing the conditions is important so that rather than um, having the multiple surgeries and the dental work uh, that's necessary to the, you know, the tooth mechanics that's required to fix all these problems, why don't we just fix the underlying conditions? And when people start having problems with thyroid and Hashimoto's, it's really, if we have these chronic inflammatory conditions in the body, um, it really creates a lot of problems for the body because when there's inflammation, the body has a hard time detoxifying. And that is because fundamentally detoxification and inflammation are fundamentally their opposites. Detoxification is an antioxidant system, whereas inflammation is an oxidant system. So if really the real question with chronic disease, I believe, 
has to do with this chronic inflammation question and what's driving it. So if there is uh, toxicity in a person's life, let's say they don't have a good diet or they're not chewing well, or they're not sleeping well, say they have a, they have apnea and not sleeping and they don't have a good diet. They don't have a good digestion. They have leaky gut where, um, you know, the, the food is not coming across the gut wall in a, a bioavailable form then we have all these problems that are going to drive a chronic inflammation process, um, which is an acid producing event and people get in trouble with their mouths. You know, they go to the dentist, which, which uh, I call going to the tooth mechanic to have the repair work done. Um, It's not really about healing the under, uh, you know, dentistry is not uh, designed as a profession. It's not about the the disease itself it's really about the repair of the disease you go to the dentist where the tooth mechanic we fix things we fix things we fix things when there's pain we use medication for things like that instead of really getting to the underlying root cause of what's what's happening in the mouth so that's why back to this chronic inflammation problem it really starts to um, exacerbate the disease in the mouth as well as well as other places in the body but when the mouth gets involved in the chronic inflammation problem it's typically because of an infection and infections can exist in teeth call it a cavity inside of a tooth that's an infection for a tooth okay and if in the case of having a tooth pulled, Okay, say like our wisdom teeth, um, that can set up a condition known as jawbone cavitation because it doesn't heal well. So when a tooth gets pulled, there's this open hole. What and what happens is the ligament that connects the tooth to the jawbone, that's what tears. Okay. So part of that ligament stays with the tooth and that gets thrown away, but the other half of the ligament stays down in the jawbone. So what we have right when a tooth is pulled. So we have this situation, we have this condition where uh, there's a hole in the jaw, it's bleeding as it should, and there's connective tissue lining the hole in the jawbone. Well, once that tooth has been removed, there is absolutely no use for the connective tissue that's been left behind in the jawbone. And so what we have now is we have connective tissue that's that the body has no mechanism for removing it. It's down inside bone marrow. Okay, so um, and leaving a ho- an open hole after a tooth has been removed is an absolute disaster. The body really doesn't know what to do with that. Um, now it will close, and the hole takes about a month to close. But the problem is, we've left the dentist or the surgeon has left this connective tissue down in the bone marrow, and the body's trying to grow bone marrow, but it can't because there's no mechanism to remove. The connective tissue down there. So basically, it's a stagnation disease in this jaw, what's called jawbone cavitation. It's a stagnation problem. Okay. And the body cannot grow new bone marrow in this area. So it's, it really sets up a biome issue uh, where, you know, people that have exposures to Lyme disease or mold in the house, um, where's that mold going to go? Or where's that Lyme disease going to go in the body? Well, it's going to end up in the jawbones. It's a real problem there. So now we have this chronic infection that the body cannot solve. So it's kind of a 24-7 chronic infection. And whenever, now back to the inflammation thing. So whenever there's an infection, the body has to inflame around the infection 
by design or you could die from it, right? You need an immune response there. And the best the body can do with that is a quarantine situation. So basically the body has to, you know, get the energy around that and get the immune system around that. And like I said, it's a 24, seven, 365 thing. And people don't know why they're sick. You know, typically there's a lot of food sensitivities at that time. Um, this, all this, all this chronic inflammation be an acid producing event. So now the body has a hard time with maintaining its own alkalinity. So, and the mouth's involved in all these things. So, and, and, and I just got into talking about when people get teeth pulled. Okay. Well, what about cavities and teeth? Okay. This can, you know, people go get fillings, which nowadays are, are tooth colored plastic resin materials, which are much, much better than back in the day when I was a child, it was getting mercury, uh, you know, so-called silver fillings that have mercury in them that, that have an off-gassing problem with, you know, any, like you could drink a cup of coffee or you could eat something sugary or acidic or even vinaigrette dressing on your salad. That's going to be an acid acidic contact with a, with an oxidative metal in the mouth, which is going to release off-gassing mercury. So that's a disaster. And then put that next to a gold crown in a wet acid environment with saliva being uh, slightly acidic. Now we have a battery uh, in the mouth. So it's, and that, and saliva will fluctuate based on blood. You know, as blood uh, slightly fluctuates, the acidity will go up and down and up and down. Right. So let's just back up for a second because just to make sure that everyone's on the same page. And I love how you took this full circle because when we were talking about, okay, well, why is the mouth so connected to what's going on with our thyroid and Hashimoto's? Well, just like you explained, it's that infection connection, right? And we know there are different triggers that are going to trigger Hashimoto's. And so there's the stress aspect and the toxin aspect and the infection aspect and the food aspect of it, kind of if we look at the main four. But really, there's so much possible infection, like you said, in the mouth. And then there's the toxicity part, right, that could be from that infection. So that feeds itself. So when we think about infections, then, you know, this, it sounds, and of course, there's there's many different ones, but I think the two that people can probably resonate with the most that I am assuming most people may have dealt with is having actual cavities in the teeth, which is an infection, or having these cavitations. Now, I think most people know if they have a cavity, you know, they go to the dentist, they do an x-ray, right? They'll see, oh, something is happening, or they might have pain and they'll know that. And so, you know, as you were saying, we really want to try to avoid using any of the metals and use a more compatible material that isn't as hazardous. But what about when it comes to cavitations? This is something that people don't know as much about. And I think there's many people who've had their wisdom teeth out or possibly maybe they've had other teeth out because maybe the tooth had a big infection and then maybe had a root canal and then maybe that had to be taken out. That happened to me. Um, and we'll talk about root canals in a second, but I think with cavitations, you said that it's a hole, right, in the jawbone, but how would someone know? Because traditional dentists don't really look at this. Is it something that shows up on a, a, an x-ray or is there a special x-ray that they would need to do? I mean, how would, because it certainly seems like it's a huge issue when it comes to Hashimoto's, but most people don't know they have them. Right, right. Good point. Referring back to when cavitation occurs, it's when, it, when a tooth is pulled, okay, and the ligament being left behind and there's no use for that ligament. So it, 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 it really completely screws up the healing process. So the body's ability to grow bone marrow in that site and then becoming a stagnation disease. So teeth belong in our mouth. Okay. And if anyone is considering having their wisdom teeth removed, just remember that it's important to 
A, have the ligament immediately removed right after the tooth is pulled, get the ligament out of that. It has to be physically done. And, and that's a very skilled procedure that dentists are not trained to, to know how to do. It really comes from becoming biologically based and really, you know, I've, I've pulled tens of thousands of teeth in my life and I always go in and remove the ligament, physically remove it. And the second thing is to use the patient's own platelets to, as a graft material. So not to leave an open hole. And that's what I want your listeners to understand is do not leave open holes in your mouth after having teeth pulled, get the ligament out and get platelets in there. And in order to have platelets, you must have an, you know, you have to access the vein, you have to draw blood. And we, uh, in our office, I use infusions for practically every dental appointment, even fillings. We infuse, we, I have a nursing department. We, inf we use infusions. We like to have ozone in there to help the body. We like high doses of vitamin C. And for those who may not be familiar, what is ozone and how is that beneficial? Okay. So ozone is O3. It's created by lightning. So it's, you know, we can, that's why it smells good when it rains. Okay. Lightning as it goes through air will, will cleave the oxygen O2 molecule into, into O1s. And that's a negative charge. O1 will jump onto an O2. There's an attraction there and that becomes O3 and it has a very clean smell to it. Um, in when it, how it's used in medicine is we, have machines that have lightning bolts inside. We uh, we use uh, oxygen tanks, so we have pure oxygen that is uh, separated in there. So we create ozone gas with ozone machines, okay? And they're medical machines, so they're 100% pure. And that when you have medical grade ozone, it is injectable into blood in it, and it's a powerful oxidant. So it's a signaling molecule in the blood. It's a wonderful antibiotic. And, and I say wonderful because it knows the difference between pathogenic and probiotic bacteria by magnetics. It's, it's, so it only kills the bad guys and it leaves the probiotic bacteria alone. It has a stimulatory effect for the immune system. It has a, it kind of wakes up the immune system and it potentiates it. And it really is, in my opinion, one of the things that has to be used in dentistry, not only infused into the, the vein of the patient, but also when you're getting a filling done. You know, if you're cleaning out a cavity, use ozonated water to disinfect the inside of the tooth structure, to saturate oxygen inside the tooth structure, which those were two of the problems of the three with the conditions that I talked about earlier was oxygen deprivation and acidity. So it fixes both of those things prior to placing a filling. So even when you're getting dental work done or getting your teeth clean, you know, hygienists can use ozone water to irrigate while they're cleaning someone's teeth. I mean, it, it's, and, and that creates a much, much less septic experience for the patient that say has heart problems or has problems with recurring infections. I mean, to clean teeth without ozonated water to me is makes absolutely no sense at all. I think ozone is the mainstay in dentistry and it should be used in absolutely every dental practice and everyone who has a body should understand ozone. And, and there are places to, you know, we can talk about that later, where to go to get that information. But, you know, the ozone molecule is such an important part of dentistry and medicine. So hopefully that answered your question. It goes back to, um, you know, treating the quote unquote potential infections in the mouth, whether it's a cavity or getting a tooth pulled or getting your teeth cleaned across the board. And I, and I encourage patients that, you know, if you have a relationship with a dentist or a hygienist, you should be talking to them about ozone. Do they understand it? Do they know about this, where to go to get more training? 
for those kinds of things. So yeah. And so back to cavitations, then you were saying that we would want to make sure that we're using ozone and not leaving any holes. Not leaving the ligament behind and, and grafting with the patient's platelets um, is so that we fill the hole with the, 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 the part of the blood that's responsible for blood clotting. That it's platelets are the sticky part of our blood. If we cut ourselves and we're bleeding, the bleeding stops because of the platelets. But what else do the platelets do that's so critical is the platelets signal the body that there's a wound. The platelets will release growth factor that recruits the immune system and the stem cells both at the same time. So that's how our bodies can heal is the platelets are largely responsible for that. And in the mouth, that's important because when there's a, say there's a tooth pulled and the platelet graft is, fills the hole, that's going to signal the body that the, that the wound is in bone. So it can recruit stem cells to become more bone as long as that ligament is out of there. And the blood clot that forms is a platelet derived blood clot. So when, you know, you have a tooth pulled, typically when you leave an open hole, like I said, it's a disaster, but the problem is it bleeds for two days. Whereas if you put platelets, you know, you clean the ligament out and you put platelets in that hole, then the bleeding stops and there's no hole in your jaw where food gets caught. Right. Or other infection. Yeah, of course. And the body knows exactly what to do with the wound. And, and so the body can say to itself and the, and wherever the teeth got pulled, say the wisdom teeth in this case, the body knows what to do with the wounds. Right. So now we have a, we have a wound where the conditions are ideal and the body can grow both bone and gum tissue over the top of that. And this is a big reason why I do not need pain pills in my practice ever. Wow. Because conditions after having oral surgery are ideal. And the last thing that I'll do for the platelets is I'll pick up an ozone syringe and I'll inject ozone gas into the platelets. So now the platelets are saturated with ozone gas. So really an infection can't exist. It's not possible. Okay. So if you have a healthy blood clot right after having a tooth pulled, the patient's not, you know, they can have a little swelling because they had, you know, an amputation of a tooth, of course, but the conditions are right. And people just don't have the pain problems and the bone growth process is much, much more uh, facilitated and the inflammatory response is much, much less. So the energies to, to heal the wound is much, much less. So the body can use energy for something else like making sure the immune system is has enough power in the system. See, so this is how people can go through dental experiences and have a much, much better experience. And, and of course, there's more things that we do at the biodentist clinic for when we take out teeth, you know, we take that very, very seriously. You know, the goal is for when a tooth comes out, we want bone marrow to completely fill that hole in. That takes about six months to a year, depending on the patient. And we want the gum tissue to close over and we want the patient just to just basically have a, you know, a, a uneventful experience in the hands of a, of a dentist who just say took out wisdom teeth or took out root canals and root canals are another subject that we'll get to. Dr. John, with the cavitations to prevent cavitations, this is extremely helpful for someone who knows they need to have wisdom teeth out or another tooth out so that they know exactly either, you know, they come to see you or to someone that you've trained or talk to their dentist about how it's done. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people like myself, for example, I had my wisdom teeth out at 18, a really long time ago. There's many people who've had root canal teeth out, other teeth out. So chances are probably 99.9%, .9%, right? That the ligament is still 
in there because I don't think people really talk about that, right? There probably was a hole, both in my wisdom teeth and the many, many other people who've had wisdom teeth out. So what does that mean for them? And a lot of these people are now dealing with a bunch of different autoimmune issues and chronic inflammation and pain and things like that. And maybe not at the site of the tooth, but throughout systemically in their body. So how would they find out if their ligament is still in and if they have a cavitation? And if so, is there anything that could be done about that? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, it really comes back to the proper diagnosis. It has to be diagnosed properly. And when I train dentists in my clinic, I there's a saying I have, without a 3D x-ray, there is no diagnosis. I require 3D x-rays in my practice. Now I take two-dimensional x-rays as well to look at at teeth and cavities and panoramics and things like that. But people just need to understand that there is no other way, in my opinion, to diagnose a cavitation unless you have a three-dimensional x-ray. And is a three-dimensional x-ray the same as like a panoramic? It's the same machine, but the software is different. It's basically cone beam tomography. So what happens is now, and I've had 3D in my office for about 10 years now, and basically I get a three-dimensional rendering that's still an x-ray, but I get a, a three-dimensional rendering of the patient's teeth and jawbone, and I can see everything. And from the three-dimensional x-ray, I can place my cursor in over the site where a tooth was pulled, and I can, I can measure the bone density in the areas where teeth have been pulled. Maybe not just the wisdom teeth, but other areas where people have had teeth pulled so that we can see based on bone density, if the body was able to build bone marrow in the hole where the tooth was pulled. And like you said earlier, you're absolutely right. About 99.9% of people that have had teeth pulled, not uh, or, or non-biologically or traditionally, basically they have to think back to when did I got my, when I had my tooth pulled. Did I have a hole? And did I bite, go home and bite on gauze and take antibiotics and pain pills? Then, and the answer is typically yes. I that's how I had it done in my own mouth, and I've had to have my cavitations treated. In fact, twice because my body wasn't quite able to heal, and especially in one particular area, uh, which, which is incredibly infected and inc- incredibly toxic. But my body was so much better after having the cavitation cleaned out. So it's a real situation. But anyway, back to what I was saying about the diagnosis. And I think it's really important for your listeners to realize that not all dentists are created equal and not all biological dentists are created equal. Okay. You know, it really boils down to, you know, how far has a dentist gone in their own initiative and their own postgraduate training? And where they've gone, you know, I've gone to Switzerland and Germany. I've I've got out of the United States. I've spent a lot of time training in Europe under Dr. Rao. And I'm currently teaching with Dr. Rao. He and I are uh, teaching together. In fact, we'll be in New York City um, the first week in May teaching together. And we're going to be talking about all these things. You know, that's that's an opportunity for people that are in that area if they'd like to come listen, uh, get more information about that. But really merger between Swiss Swiss biological medicine and biological dentistry so that patients really have the full body experience, not just the dental experience, but really what does it take to, and again, start with the right diagnosis, but then also get the right treatment. And not all dentists are trained this way. You know, we all have our own path in life and a professional path is is one thing that uh, for me has been just been ongoing forever and even after when i retire as a surgeon um 
you know, and, and go into more teaching and consulting and training is really to sit dentists down in the same room, including hygienists and staff and nurses and doctors. And really let's have this deep, deep conversation about the mouth and, in and, and what's happening in dental offices right now and starting with the good diagnosis and what to do about teeth when they hurt and, you know, what to do with toothaches, you know, that's again, another conversation, you know, cause we, we really want to keep teeth alive. Is it possible for someone to have their tooth pulled, say, improperly, but to not have a cavitation? Like, does everyone have a cavitation if the ligament is left behind? I believe, yeah. Okay. So then when they're doing, if they request a comb beam scan, which is the 3D that you mentioned, that's something where they can see, and essentially, if I'm understanding correctly, the bone just didn't build up to where it needs to when there's still a space left? It wasn't able to. Yeah, it's, it wasn't possible. So, you know, the body stagnates and basically it becomes a blood clot mm -hmm. and that's it. And it's a blood clot that is has terrible conditions, uh, you know, basically very little oxygen in that blood clot. And it can grow a lot of really nasty microbes. Yeah. And I've heard other people say when they've opened them up that literally like green stuff comes out. Is that true? Yeah. Well, an oil slick is what we see. So the body will replace that site with cholesterol, uh, you know, uh, triglycerides, basically whatever the body can put in there to stagnate it in order to just basically manage it around the periphery. You know, that's the best the body can do. The body has no mechanism to grow new blood vessels in, into this disease and bring the immune system and the oxygen with it in order to solve the problem. And if, and again, back to the ligament, if we have connective tissue debris left in this area, the body has no mechanism to get rid of itself. So this, this connective tissue that's down there has to be physically removed. And I know there's a lot of biological dentists right now that are saying, well, we can inject them, you know, we can get through the bone and we can inject ozone gas in there. Well, it still doesn't remove the, no injection is going to remove the debris. Unfortunately, it is only a surgical solution to go in there and scrape that out of there and protect the patient with infusions and get ozone involved and put platelets back in that hole and close it back up and then, you know, provide the right conditions for the body to get this. A lot of people don't know why they're sick because again, I, I talked about this when there's these infections, it's going to drive inflammation and inflammation is the problem. And it's the problem that downregulates detoxification. So really people can't, they become these net accumulators, wherever you live, whatever you're eating, whatever is in the food, is in the water, is in the air, all these things, the body doesn't have the net detoxification process working because that's an antioxidant system. And if we have an oxidant system that is 24 seven, then really detoxification cannot be successful with infections wherever they are in the body, but typically they're found in the mouth. This is just so important what you're saying, because most people do not think that they have any infections in the mouth. In fact, this was- Because there's no pain. Exactly. Well, and even with the case- Carrie that we're talking about, she's gone to the dentist multiple times and they said, well, everything is fine. She's never had a comb beam. No one's ever looked at that. And they've said time and time again that everything is okay. So I think for everyone listening, what's really important to just remember is that if you have a lot of symptoms and you haven't been able to get to the bottom of them and you know that you've had wisdom teeth pulled or maybe other teeth pulled, this is an area to look at and there may be a lot more here than you may have realized. So it's just like a really big takeaway. Now, the other thing is we started talking about this and I'd love to get into more is root canals. 
as you mentioned, root canal is, you know, the tooth is essentially then dead, right? Because they are removing the root and it's dead. And the body doesn't like to have dead things sticking out Ever. of them. Ever. <laughs> Ever, usually. So treatment, the treatment for death has always been amputation. Yeah. Always. Exactly. Anywhere in the body, except in the mouth. And, you know, and I think root canals are very, very common because so often, I mean, even with my own personal experience, I remember a long time ago, the dentist is like, well, instead of pulling the tooth, let's save it. Then you don't have to have no teeth. Like you don't have to have a missing tooth, right? Let's save the tooth and let's just remove the root because then you have your tooth. And this was a long time ago. I didn't know all of this back 20 years ago. And I just thought, okay, well, that makes so much sense. Of course, let's save the tooth, right? But as you're saying, that's not good. We don't want dead things. Then what do we do, right? Because there's many people who have Hashimoto's, other autoimmune disease or other chronic conditions that have root canals. So it sounds like what you're saying is it has to come out. Is that correct? Absolutely. Just like if you had a dead finger, you'd have your dead finger amputated or a dead eyeball or anything. This is a really, really important question. And a, and, and, I, and a lot of people, you know, hear me, hear me carefully here. Traditional dentistry, the the treat the standard of care treatment for a toothache is to embalm the tooth. Okay. That's why I call it the taxidermy appointment for the tooth. And that's the way we're trained as dentists. In dental school, you take out the blood supply and the and the nerve. So the nerve is where the pain is coming from. So that's what the root canal process is. You get to keep your tooth but it's, you take the guts out of the tooth. Okay. And, and the problem with taking the nerve out of the tooth is they also have to remove the blood supply because that's the guts inside. That's the soft tissue inside the tooth. It, obviously there's a, they're very common to get a root canal because you're right. You get to save your tooth in your mouth. You don't have your tooth amputated. You have it root canaled instead. So what gets amputated is, is the inside pulp. It's the guts inside the tooth. And they're very common because people don't have to lose their tooth and the toothache is gone. Once the anesthetic wears off, the toothache is gone. And people are like, wow, that was great. I got to keep my tooth and I don't have pain anymore or sensitivity. So this, the diagnosis is absolutely critical here. Um, but anyway, that's why root canals, I don't, I, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a billion dollar business every year, just in the United States alone. And in, of course, insurance incentivizes it. And I understand that, that people get to keep their tooth. But the problem is over the, I was one of the 12 dentists that was involved in the research on root canals in the mid nineties, the, that our study has largely been censored, but we, but there was a movie that was made called root cause. And if anybody wants to go online and look up root cause the movie, they can go to the movie that was made about the research that was done uh, in the mid nineties about what is inside and what's going on with a, with a, a root canal treated tooth. And the problem is just like all gangrene in the body, the problem is hydrogen sulfide gas. And so when there's and in the inside of a tooth has roughly 80 million nerve endings, which from end to end is like three miles of nervous system, you know, the odontoblast tooth, the, the sensory information comes from inside the tooth. Well, there's 80 million nerve endings. And that's why when we bite on things that are hard, we know it's hard because the tooth has this sensory mechanism built inside of it that, that can detect, you know, consistency in our food, which is important because if you bite on a bone, you don't want to break your tooth. 
Okay. Um, and it also can detect temperatures in your mouth. So your teeth are a large part of that when they're alive. So when the, when all that's been, well, I can't say all, when the guts have been taken out of the tooth, what the problem is the 80 million nerve endings inside the tooth have been left behind. So now that we have this, this soft tissue death inside of all these microtubules inside of the tooth, and in a matter of, I would say a matter of hours, we start getting this hydrogen sulfide, basically this really, if anyone has smelled a, a dead animal or a dead corpse, it's, it's, it's a very pungent sulfury smell. And, and this is a very dangerous gas inside the body. And the problem with root canals is over a matter, a short matter of time, once the root canal has been performed, all these millions of soft tissue tubules that are now have dead soft tissue inside start to off gas. And as a, as a person is using that tooth to eat and biting down, those gases are being emitted from the tooth into the ligament and into the bloodstream. So you're biting on these dead teeth and it's, it's emitting hydrogen sulfide. Uh, basically the body is under, it has a gangrene response. And that's why the treatment for gangrene has always been amputation because it's dangerous. If you don't amputate the dead body part, then it will spread and continue to kill you. What about if people have a crown? Because a lot of people will crown the canal tooth. It doesn't matter. The crown goes over the top of the tooth, whereas the root, I'm talking about the root of the tooth that's down in the the ligament and the bone. That's where the off-gassing problem is going on. And, and, And when people have bad breath, Okay. The question has to become, where is this hydrogen sulfide gas coming from? Okay. Is it coming from, is it coming from dead teeth? Is it coming from period around the, if there's death in the gum tissue, which is periodontal disease, you know, is it coming from there? So, you know, if people have bad breath, they have better get on top of this fast. We did the research in the mid nineties and we, under a guy named Hal Huggins, who was a dentist and immunologist, you know, it was Hal's, it was Hal's thesis to find um, a PhD scientist. And, and we, we uh, found the University of Kentucky guy named Boyd Haley, PhD. He was the director of biochemistry at the University of Kentucky because Dr. Haley had the science that could identify anything based on molecular weight. And Huggins was smart enough to know that this was a gas problem. We just didn't know what the gas was. And the research came initially from 1930s with Weston Price. I mean, Price studied this in the, in the late 30s, but he was you know, fired from his position as director of research for the ADA when he started pointing towards root canals being, a, you know, dead teeth being a problem. And the dental profession wanted to protect their procedure, you know, because people liked having, you know, their pain gone away and they get to keep their tooth so they can go to the party the next day and live a normal life. But the problem is over time, we started being able to identify chronic diseases. And that's what we found in the study is hydrogen sulfide gas is denaturing the very enzymes that are responsible for metabolism within the mitochondria. So this is a dangerous problem. Yeah. Well, and hydrogen sulfite also just from a gut perspective, right? I mean, that's going to be a big issue in terms of feeding the wrong types of microbes and then just looking at sulfation and the whole detoxification process. I mean, it's going to play a role in all of these things. It causes cell death on contact. That's, that's the problem. So a little bit of death creates a little bit more death, creates a little bit more death, which creates a little, a lot more acidity and a lot more stagnation and oxygen deprivation. So now you've got the wrong conditions. You're going to get the wrong biome, you know, because that's what the biome does in the body. So this is a major, major problem. So 
So what do people do? And also, especially if they have a root canal in a front tooth, you know, because it's one thing if you're a root canal in one of the back teeth, you can pull that, get a bridge or whatnot. But what if it's in a front tooth? Or an implant. Or an implant if there's a safe way to do that, right? And yeah, but what if it's a, a front tooth? Whichever tooth is, the, the only thing about a front tooth is when you smile, it matters, right? Um, it doesn't matter which teeth, tooth it is. All teeth have this have the same problem. So let's go back to the diagnosis, Okay. Like I said, standard of care for pain, a toothache, is a root canal. Okay. Well, a tooth is the only body part that cannot swell. Mm. It's the only body part that cannot expand because if it could, it would, but it would not fit in your mouth. Right. So what we have to do, and this is what I, when I became a naturopath, I did my thesis on this because this was a very interesting question for me is if I have patients coming into my practice and they have, they've been told they need a root canal. Well, typically they, you know, it's either a family member or a friend that says, Oh no, 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 no. You're going to my dentist because he knows what to do. If the tooth is under an inflammatory response, which swelling and pain and fever and, and loss of function, those are all things that come with the inflammatory response. But since the tooth can't swell, what happens is the tooth is is recruiting an immune inflammatory and inflammatory response because there's something wrong. Either the tooth is in trauma, or there's a big cavity and there's a lot of infection and uh, acidity inside the tooth, so the tooth is still alive and it's screaming for its own life. But because the tooth cannot swell and it's recruited this immune inflammatory response, that's where people have a temperature sensitivity. That's whenever, if there's anyone that drinks a cold water and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, there's a cold sensitivity there. That is a tooth that has an inflammatory response by design to save its own life. But because the tooth cannot swell, it cannot, ex- it, it, and, it, and it's accepting more blood in a more immune system. There's a blood pressure gradient from in difference, uh, a positive blood pressure gradient inside the tooth than the rest of the body. Said differently, when the heart pumps and and blood circulates, if there's a blood pressure higher blood pressure gradient inside of a tooth, it's it's very similar to a tourniquet. Okay, because of blood pressure, more blood and oxygen and immune system and more drainage cannot happen inside that tooth, and that's a tooth that's temperature sensitive. Okay, so the tooth is now at that point there is a symptom associated with that. And like I said, standard of care is you go to the dentist, they take an x-ray, they do a root canal because they don't believe that a tooth can heal. I differ. Okay. I believe the teeth can heal. Absolutely. It's tied to the gut wall, but it's also tied to the conditions inside the tooth. This is where ozone comes in. Okay. And if you, if there's decay in the tooth, you have to get the cavity. You got to get the decay out of the tooth. You need ozone to help with that. You got to get the tooth restored. I don't typically go to a crown at that point. I typically just put a large filling in there and I have an injection protocol that I train dentists to use to get the blood supply upregulated and healthy and get the drainage established. So we get the blood pressure inside the tooth under control. This is how to heal teeth. Wow. That's amazing. So even if, you know, because often, and I remember I was told this, like, well, you know, the filling is too big. There's no way, like, so there's just so much decay that you have to have a root canal, but it sounds like that's not always the case. Well, it, there's no question about that. If the tooth is obliterated to the point where you can't put a filling in, I still would not go to a crown because you're spending the, a lot of money at that point. And you don't even know if that tooth's going to survive. Mm-hmm. And it's directly related to the health of the patient and to how well the patient sleeps. Okay. If they snore, 
That's a big problem. If they don't eat organic and they, they're eating glyphosate in their food, that's a big problem. Okay. You, you know, this is kind of the, the gut check on how healthy a person is, is if they can heal a sensitive tooth, mm. because it, it's really the, I think it's the measuring uh, the gold standard. And, and it's, it's always a celebration in my office when we heal a tooth. Because it, there, there's a lot of mechanisms involved. The body has to get involved. The biome has to get involved. The oxygenation of the blood has to get involved. You know, uh, and I haven't even talked about the trauma and the spirituality and the, all, the, all the other energetic things that, that are important that we all know are important to the body. You know, you, you, can't, be, you can't have anger in your life and heal your teeth. You got, you got to live in love, right? And you, have to, you have to live connected in, in all of the things. That it's kind of the litmus test for really is a person healthy or not. And, and people that really want to heal their teeth, they really have to fix a lot of things in their lives. You know, and I'm strict with my patients. You know, if, if my patients don't eat or if somebody, well, patients don't get to me, if they don't eat organic, I don't accept them. They don't get through my gate. I only work with people who are serious about their health. And want to do things for their entire, not just their mouth, but their entire body so that we can get the healing, you know, the body knows what to do. Right. The, the body can heal as long as it can. And that's really the big question is what do we have to do? And, and I'm getting outside the dental conversation here, Yeah. but it really, it does matter. But in back to the dental conversation, so we create the, the right conditions inside of a tooth and without ozone, forget it. Okay. It's, it's not possible because oxygen is such a big player in this and we get the right conditions inside the tooth and we minimum, we do the minimal restorative dentistry because with these teeth that are in these inflamed situations, we don't know if they're going to survive. And we try to, we try to get as many teeth to survive as possible. But I would say, you know, my success rate across all the decades I've been doing this and with all my patients is North of 50%. You know, I can, I can get about 60 or 70% of the teeth that I treat to heal and not need a root canal, keep the tooth alive. Yeah, that's amazing. Because a tooth is an organ. So if you have liver pain, why would we take the blood supply away from the liver? I mean, it's, it's just craziness. And dentists don't understand this based on their traditional training. In dental school- Right, because the training is just not like that. It's mechanical. It's Newtonian. It's a reductionist approach to the mouth, to mouth surgery. It, it's, uh, you know, and, you know, I went to dental school. I you know, I used fluoride on cavities. I understand. I put metal in teeth and I built people's bites and, you know, used porcelain crowns and all that and took insurance. Insurance is a whole, you know, that's the disease care system that incentivizes, you know, patients that, well, do you take my insurance? And not only is the answer no, it's hell no, because I can't, I cannot do biological dentistry and be tied to an insurance system. Yeah, no. Unfortunately, it, it, it just is outside of all of that to do it this way. So unfortunately, you know, patients have to have the resources and the time to commit to, you know, having uh, this kind of dentistry done in their mouth and I'm working on it. It is truly holistic. So, you know, you really look at the teeth from every angle. I talk about this about thyroid. Like I, in my programs, look at thyroid from all angles, you know, the biochemistry, the triggers, the spiritual, all of that. And and same as you, you're looking at teeth from all angles because they're really tied to everything. And I just think that's so, so important. Now, Dr. John, how can people find you? Where can they find you? How can they connect with you if they want to learn more, um, if they have things that they want to work on with you? So if anybody wants to learn more about me, they can go to biodentist.com. 
And that's me. Basically, our facility, our institute called the Human Universal Health Institute. It's huhinstitute.com. Um, they can go to huhinstitute.com and learn more about our trainings and uh, what we're doing in a very holistic way. Well, Dr. John, thank you so much for being here. I mean, I think you gave so much information that it really, I hope, opens people's eyes to how much more there is when it comes to teeth and how much a whole body process it actually is and how much it has an effect on everything and our Hashimoto's and our thyroid. So thank you so much for being here. And I feel like I could talk to you for hours. So we'll have to do a follow-up and get a little bit more in depth about some of these things as well. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Happy to be here. And uh, thank you for having me. As you just heard, what happens in our mouth has so much to do with Hashimoto's and thyroid issues and really health overall, which is why it is so important to look at oral health and to look at it in this very comprehensive and holistic way. I worked with Carrie first on identifying and supporting her thyroid type, and we started to address the triggers that I found, which included microbes in her gut, a high viral load, and her detox pathway support. But at the same time, Carrie saw a biological dentist that we found for her in her area, and he was very well versed in all of the things that Dr. Augsburger discussed today. Carrie was completely in shock that what her regular dentist said looked just fine was not actually so. So she worked with this dentist to remove the root canal and also to safely change out the silver fillings in a very biological way. And she also addressed the cavitation that formed from when she had a tooth removed. It was not an overnight process, but as she addressed this with the dentist, while I supported her body as she was doing so, she saw huge changes. Her pain and inflammation lowered significantly within about six months. She felt lighter. She was less bloated. It was like this weight was lifted and she described it as she was feeling like there was something almost like covering her. It was like the shell that was pressing on everything in her body. And it's as if that shell just dissolved and she felt like herself again. Carrie was so excited. And of course, so was I. If Carrie sounds like someone you know, or you have a friend or a family member who's dealing with health issues and they have not yet addressed their oral health, please share this episode with them. There's so much information that I know is going to help to open up their eyes and help them. And as always, when it comes to your health mysteries, please, please do not give up. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.